0: This is Hear Me Out, I'm Celeste Headley. At the time of this recording, Donald Trump has handily won two Republican primaries and it seems likely he'll keep winning. For the last nine years or so, you've probably heard and read countless profiles of the Trump voter explaining his appeal for those on the left who never understood it. But this is a different world than we lived in back in 2016. And in part, that's because we've already lived through one Trump presidency. But we need to keep talking about the mindset of Trump voters. If we wanna have any idea of where this country is going and whether we can do it as one nation, A few weeks ago, we had a guest argue that Trump supporters are not delusional. This week...
1: There's this kind of false dualism that's put forward that says, well, the parties are mere images of each other, left and right. They're not. The other side is perpetrating a crime against society by trying to tear down knowledge and truth.
0: Barry Maurer, associate professor at the University of Central Florida, joins us in just a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley. This week is a first in Hear Me Out history. Usually, we reach out to people whose work we come across and find interesting. But this time, the guest came to us because they're a listener and they thought we got it wrong. A few weeks ago, we talked to author and professor Frank Buckley. He argued that Trump voters are not delusional or stupid, but are acting on their information they have and their personal values. We got an avalanche of listener mail about that episode, and we knew we would. What we've shared with you on air is just a drop in the bucket. One of those emails came from someone named Barry Maurer. Barry is an associate professor at the University of Central Florida, and for 10 years, he's researched the nature of delusion, especially as it relates to the American right wing. Barry wrote to offer a different perspective on Trump voters, and it got our attention. Here's just a quick excerpt to show you what I mean. Quote, both you and the guests suggested that conservatives were not delusional because their beliefs were sincerely held. The definition of delusion is that a belief is sincerely held but is wrong. It is held despite the presence of overwhelming evidence that it is wrong. Such is true of Trump supporters who believe he won the election in 2020. So... Here to present his argument about where we went astray and what really counts as political delusion is Barry Mauer. Hi there.
1: Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: So you reached out because, to your mind, we missed the point. Yeah. Entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that starts with the nature of delusion. Yes. Um. So tell me, you know, in order to fit the definition, what does it mean to be delusional?
1: Well, there's... The definition that's in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which is the Bible of Mental Health, and that one states that a delusion is a sincerely held—I don't know if it uses the word sincerely, but it's a belief held with conviction in the face of overwhelming evidence that persists for at least 30 days. And the 30-day thing is interesting, of course. I usually ask if you're 29 days in and you give it up, you know, why 30 days— But I think it has to do with the fact that there is a natural tendency in humans to want to deny inconvenient truths, and that it is possible for us to be in denial for a while and then to realize that we are in denial and to get over it. Delusion really, it settles in, it protects itself, and it cannot be removed by reason. It's immune to reason, basically.
0: How is this different than confirmation bias? Is confirmation bias just a specific type of delusion?
1: Um, Confirmation bias itself isn't a delusion because it it could be a factor in leading us to denial. So that first initial impulse that says, I'm hearing information I don't like or I don't want to believe or I see information that confirms what I believe, right? My initial bias is to grab that information and, and confirm it or reject it based on my preset beliefs. But that's not delusion until it's sort of, you have a chance to think about it and work through it. And, you know, some people are never going to work through it or think about it. And they're going to hold on to their belief despite the disconfirming evidence. And that's when it becomes delusion. So, I, what I like to say is there's a, uh, the initial impulse is denial. And when denial becomes set in, it's it becomes delusion.
0: So here's why I think many people say that Trump voters are delusion. And we're talking especially about those who deny, say, the election results of 2020 right. or, or, or have bought into the misinformation out there. Right. Is that, you know, they're hearing, many people are hearing a completely different set of facts. Right. Based on what sources they choose to consult. If all you do is listen to Fox News, if you only read news that comes from right-wing sources, many of which are designed to misinform, yes, it may not be that you're holding on to a sincere belief despite overwhelming evidence. It may be that you're you have been deluded. Yes. Right?
1: Yes, quite. And so I take issue with the medical model of delusion because it only focuses on the individual person. Only rarely does it look at...
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: more than that. Like, sometimes it looks at delusion in families, but it usually doesn't look at delusions in institutions or in society. And so, yes, um, I believe an institution can be delusional or that a society could be delusional. And um, in this case, I think what we're talking about is induced delusion. Um, and this is a term that Bandy Lee uses uh, to talk about Republicans and their relationship to propaganda that
0: um, uh, let me just let me just explain that uh, Bandy Lee is a, is a very well-known psychiatrist <laughs> um, who who writes a lot about I, I think she wrote a textbook on on violence but yes. very very um, well-known psychiatrist who also wrote, Uh, A forensic psychiatrist and editor of the dangerous case of Donald Trump. Okay, go ahead.
1: Correct. So basically, an induced delusion. What you do is you increase people's propensity to hold delusional beliefs, and you decrease their resistance to those beliefs.
0: Wait, say that again. So you, you you increase the
1: propensity for them to accept the delusional belief and hold it. Okay. And then you decrease their defenses. Against those delusional beliefs. So you can do that in multiple ways. So one is to always discredit sources that are in conflict with your delusional beliefs. So for example, if you hear someone present evidence that the election wasn't stolen in 2020, uh, such as say 60 judges ruled against Trump and many of those judges were Trump appointed judges, you are prepped to say, well, I reject The justice system got it wrong. The justice system is biased against Trump. So in other words, your defenses against contrary evidence has been increased and your delusion is protected.
0: Okay, so your argument is that Trump voters are actually delusional because rather than um, acting on their personal beliefs, they're rejecting any evidence that proves them wrong. Is that accurate? Well, I think
1: they are acting on their personal beliefs. I think their, their personal beliefs are overlap considerably with the institutional beliefs that are being put forward by propaganda outlets and by Republican leaders. So, you know, people will say, I, I personally believe this or I, I did my own research or something. But what they're really doing is parroting something they've heard from a propagandist. Um, so the line between what's personal and what's not personal is kind of hard to find, I think. Um, people will hear something, they'll hear an idea, and they'll internalize it, and they'll make it personal. That's what happens often. Also, people can produce their own bad ideas. So, uh, you know, we're, I hundreds of times a day produce bad ideas in my head. It's just that often I have the ability to reject them, Right. Some people kind of lose that ability and bad ideas take hold and become obsessions. So, and this has to do with this theory I use called cognitive immunity or mental immunity. Um, It's not a brand new theory. It's been around since the 60s. But the notion is that humans have various, uh, just like our body's immune system, our immune system mentally can be either strong or weak. And so if it's strong we're better protected against bad ideas. If it's weak, we're, we're less protected against them. So in terms of what, what I'm talking about with induced delusion, it means that there's been a concerted effort to weaken people's cognitive immunity to make them more amenable to bad, bad ideas. And I just want to articulate as well that when I'm talking bad ideas, I mean really, really bad ideas that, Essentially, like
0: white supremacy or anti-Semitism, yeah, yeah, and misogyny,
1: and beyond those, that it's okay to act on those ideas and laudable even that it's it's laudable to murder people that are identified as scapegoats, and I would point to all the violence and threats going on against judges, prosecutors, witnesses, etc., etc., around all of the legal cases right now that this that is encouraged by Trump and other. Republican leaders, they're and they're not denouncing any of these actions.
0: I I will just put a a, a plug out there for listeners. I have zero stake in this, but I recommend a, um an online game called Bad News, um it, the Bad News game. When you're talking about cognitive immunity, that's actually has solid science behind it. I read a, a couple um study reports on the NIH website, the solid science behind it, that you can increase your resistance to bad ideas by playing that bad news game. So Absolutely. Go, go check that out. Thank you. Um, but it's difficult for me to, to believe that every Trump voter is deluded.
1: I don't argue I s- that.
0: Oh, okay. But even the majority of them, because do we... I can't get away from the fact that so many of these people have been very misinformed um and when you when you test them um it turns out they don't they have a a, a weak understanding of the way the government works mm-hmm. right so when they're talking about how going through economic struggles right now these are often people who don't understand what powers the president has okay or doesn't
1: so that's that's the ignorance excuse and i i want to say that that just doesn't explain it all because um and I think it was Chris Mooney who wrote about this called uh, smart idiots. That was his term. Yes. So basically what it means is uh, it, with Republicans, there's a paradoxical thing that happens, which is the more informed they are about something, the more they hold on to wrong beliefs. And so what you see, for example, is like with the uh, legal cases around uh, January 6th, uh, insurrection and uh, congressional hearings and so on, the more information that's released, the more Republicans believe that it was an Antifa plot or an FBI plot or something like that. In other words, it's not purely an ignorance thing. And often the people who have the strongest wrong beliefs are people who are college educated. So it's not the case that they're ignorant. It's the case that they're believing something that's factually untrue and is, in fact, dangerous.
0: Okay, so I'm going to push back on this idea that the right wing owns this, but we have to take a break first. Um, We're talking about whether or not Trump voters are delusional, um, and my guest says they are. We'll continue this conversation after in just a moment. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate.
1: With what seems like an endless amount of information at our fingertips, we tend to forget that wondering about things is really part of the journey to finding answers we're looking for. So when it comes to the hot topics of Israel, Judaism, and Zionism, there's so much to wonder about right now that it's hard to know where to turn. Enter the latest weekly podcast from Unpacked, Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam. Join hosts and educator extraordinaires Michal Biton and Noam Weissman as they tackle these topics and the uncomfortable questions that surround them with the goal of working towards the answers, together with their listeners. No matter where you're from, if you've ever wondered about anything, this is the podcast for you. So check it out. Subscribe to Wondering Jews with Michal and Noam on your favorite podcast app today. Wondering Jews is brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media.
0: The history of HIV and AIDS is the history of people who were told to stay out of sight and who refused to do so. Gay men, but also injection drug users, women and, yes, children who contracted the virus. Join host Kai Wright for Blind Spot: The Plague in the Shadows, a new series that seeks to answer the question of how much pain could have been avoided had we paid attention sooner. From the History Channel and WNYC Studios, Blindspot, The Plague in the Shadows. Listen wherever you get podcasts. We're back. This is Hear Me Out, a podcast from Slate. I'm Celeste Headley, and I am talking today about whether or not Trump voters are delusional. It's a response to a conversation we had a few weeks ago with Professor Frank Buckley, who said they are not delusional. And today, our guest, Barry Mauer, says they are. Now, before we went to a break, Barry, you were talking about how Republicans um when we do research tend to believe in more bad ideas more conspiracy theories when they become even more informed right but i've also read research that shows that both liberals and conservatives are equally prone to confirmation bias and i'm not equating between delusion and confirmation bias but yep. you know they're equally prone to yeah. to 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 look for evidence that supports what they already believe, to discount evidence that uh, refutes what they believe.
1: Yes, that's true. I think it's because basically confirmation bias is just kind of a human uh, foible. It's it's sort of built into being human. and, And it's what we do with it next that's important. So I was thinking about the Clinton impeachment back in the 90s that... Democrats kind of quickly, when the accusation about this affair with Monica Lewinsky came out, quickly rejected it. But then when the evidence was presented, they backed down. You know, they changed their minds because the evidence was really clear. It didn't mean they supported the impeachment. It just meant that they couldn't deny the evidence. It was overwhelming. But this, uh, the opposite happens when you look at Republicans. Uh, again, I'm not talking about every single Republican, but... A large plurality or majority of Republicans, the more information you give them, the stronger they reject it. And they use what's called ad hoc reasoning to do so, which is kind of a key factor in conspiracy theorizing. It's a way to get out of accepting the truth about something. You make up a new reason why it can't be true. So, um, you know, a new reason why Trump's not responsible for January 6th insurrection is because. Oh, the FBI did it or something, you know, there's always a new reason that's, that's called ad hoc reasoning. So we see that persistently on the right, not as much on the, I'm not saying there's none of it on the left. It's just much more on the right. And the danger is much more prevalent on the right. The, the violence, the terrorism, the murder, I I would say it's a, a death cult. That's what I call it in, in the title of the book I wrote.
0: So uh, just to make sure everyone is staying with us, ad hoc reasoning, um, is like if you said my car won't start, and someone said, "Well, you didn't say nice things to your car before you turned the key, right?" Right. Right. That's yeah. That's the, the issue. Probably a dead battery. <laughs> it has yeah. Something to do with what you said. To your car or didn't. That would be called an ad hoc fallacy, and and it's it's rife in politics these days. But uh, again. You know, there's there's a there's a constant pushback on this idea that the Republicans or conservatives or right wing and and even though we group all these groups together, they're not all the same groups. Right. Um, that they are more prone to being wrong. Yes. Than liberals, and if you say that to someone, that's going to sound like you're partisan. That's going to somebody's right. going to say, "Oh, Barry, you must be a Democrat."
1: Well. Yes. I mean, there's the famous Colbert quote that reality has a well-known liberal <laughs> bias. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that's what I w- would say is it's it, there's this kind of false dualism that's put forward that says, well, the parties are mirror images of each other, left and right, just they're not in the same way that, uh, and I think it was Norm Ornstein who said this, that the You know, the driver of a hit and run is not the mirror image of the victim who was hit and run. Um, the the people trying to defend knowledge and a reality based, uh, society are the hit and run victims here. And the other side is perpetrating, um, a, a crime against the society by trying to tear down knowledge and truth.
0: There are examples of this on the liberal side, though. I mean, you, you I can find examples of ad hoc policies, fallacies um, among Democrats. I can find all kind of fallacies, straw man fallacies. Um, att- you know, going back to the Clinton thing, there was quite a bit of obfuscation going on right. before we got to the truth there.
1: Right. And again, like I said, some of this stuff is normal human behavior. It happens on left and right as that the right digs in. And holds on to it in a way that where it becomes almost metastatic. It it it, it grows and it's immune to change. Uh, I think on the left, there's generally a tendency to recognize when change is needed, and we've been going down the wrong road, and we need to switch directions. I would also point to the Republican Party plank in the in the last election, which was just simply, we support whatever Donald Trump wants, and so the the collapse of the party into a cult is what i would call it it's not about politics anymore it's a, it it's more about being a cult than it is about politics and people are often confused by this because very frequently we talk for example about fascism as a political movement and and nominally it is and it is in the political field in the political realm but it is a cult in the political field and It is, just to clarify, a delusion uh, that is shared among a group of people, that makes them a cult. A cult is just people who share a delusion. Now, there are different kinds of cults. that Some are much more dangerous than others. But fascism is an extremely dangerous cult because it is, at the very least, a murder cult and also sometimes a suicide cult. And I would argue that's true here, where we have people denying that COVID is real to the point that, Hundreds of thousands of people died as a result of their denialism and delusion. So it's an extremely serious and people are willing to die to protect their delusion.
0: So, I mean, I just was listening to coverage of the New Hampshire primary. Uh And um, I heard an interview with a voter who said, when when asked uh, about Donald Trump and some policies, he has said he supports which are blatantly authoritarian just by definition Mm -hmm. this voter said I like my authoritarians to have it that up front like right now we have Joe Biden who is a a fascist but in seek but pretends not to be whereas Donald Trump doesn't pretend right right do you think that fits in with the idea that she's deluded Yes. she would say she sees it clearly
1: yes yes i would point out that the the main there are different kinds of delusions and the ones i'm particularly interested in that are most dangerous are um one is a delusion of of grandiosity uh another is of persecution and a third is of erotomania and the, those things together are particularly deadly and that's what's happening here so a group of people who are not persecuted believes that they are being persecuted. S- additionally, they believe that they're superior to other people, and that superiority could be based on race or uh, nationality or any other kind of made-up feature. And then, third, is they believe that Donald Trump loves them, and that you know he that, that there's a mutual love between them and Donald Trump, whereas he. On it, you know, I don't believe he really loves anybody, but that's I. But we uh, don't. That, that can't, can't be proven. If, yeah.
0: M- maybe he does love his supporters. I mean, he he holds rallies. Maybe the reason he holds rallies, I know a lot of people say that's to boast his own ego, but maybe it's because he sincerely has affection for his supporters. Isn't well, that possible? He
1: wouldn't be trying to get them killed, then, uh, or get them in prison, or get them to give him their money often when they don't have money. Um, or create policies that don't help them in any way. Uh, His main policy when in office was to give tax cuts to the super wealthy. So if he truly loved his followers, he wouldn't be abusing them. I mean, that's a a kind of twisted definition of love.
0: Okay, so one of the things that um, Frank Buckley was arguing was that we sh- people should not cut off these conversations with Trump voters. Right. Because it's worth it to to have these discussions. Um and his he was saying they're they're not diluted, they're just people. These are just what they support. So right. do, so stop shunning them. Yeah. Obviously you disagree with the part where he says they're not diluted, right. but what about the other part?
1: So th- I think it's a really complex topic. So so first of all, I would say Just because a person is deluded in one area doesn't mean they're deluded in all areas. You know, for example, it doesn't mean they believe in aliens and they don't, you know, visiting Earth. Or Delusions can be somewhat limited. And so you might be able to have a normal relationship with someone um, who is deluded about a particular thing. And sometimes we say, well, just don't bring up this topic, right? But it can be hard, just speaking from personal experience, When I know someone has supported policies that are designed to hurt me or people I love, um, and I tell them that, in fact, their support of these policies are hurting me, and they don't acknowledge it, they don't acknowledge the reality of it, then it is kind of staying in an abusive relationship. And I don't encourage people to stay in abusive relationships. Now, some people have their reasons for doing so, and I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong but it's not their job to try to convince the abuser to not be an abuser i would go further and say that with some of the more you know hardcore supporters the the real cultists among the trump supporters most people are not qualified to have a discussion with them in any kind of productive way i would say it's it's like saying, you know, someone has cancer, and I'm not a cancer expert, and I'm going to try to help them. They're they're mm-hmm. so far advanced into their disease that, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't think that an ordinary person could make headway. There are exceptions. One of the famous exceptions is Derek Black, who lived in Florida yes. and who went to new college and was convinced after... Uh, He was a white supremacist. He was convinced after a series of discussions with um, Jewish friends that he was wrong. But that was a very serious long-term effort that they put into, uh, that they invested in him.
0: Yeah, and he he was the son of the 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 man who founded Stormfront. Yeah. Um and that he he himself, Derek Black, will say that happened incrementally and over a long period of time. Right. Um we are gonna take a break and we will uh, come back to wrap up this discussion and we're talking about whether or not Trump voters are delusional and whether it's worth talking to them. This is Hear Me Out. I'm Celeste Headley and we'll be right back. We're back. Thanks for staying with us. Celeste Headley here talking to Barry Maurer about whether we got it wrong when we spoke to Frank Buckley about Trump voters. So, there's a lot of people who are, are probably getting a, a mild case of hives by hearing you use words like death cult. Yeah. About that, that's going to sound like very extreme language. Right especially when we're talking about a group of people that is so large.
1: Yeah, tens of millions of people are in a death row. How
0: would that be? uh, Yeah, that doesn't seem possible. Right. That seems like an exaggeration.
1: It sounds like when I use language like that, that it's name calling, right? It sounds like it's part of this sort of partisan, like I'm going to just throw mud at the other side. But I'm trying to be clinical. And I would say that, For example, among the most hardcore Trump supporters are um, end timers, people who really believe that the world is coming to an end and that we're in the end times and that all kinds of things are justified as a result of that. There are a lot increasing numbers of people on the right saying that we're in a, a civil war or about to be in one. I think the numbers uh, of a recent poll show that close to 50% of Republicans believe that violence was necessary to achieve their political aims, not only necessary, but justified. I mean, you know, the Nazi comparison, again, like there's the whole Godwin thing, like you're you're done with your argument if you bring up the Nazi comparison. But Godwin said that doesn't apply in this case because the parallels are too clear.
0: But he said... Godwin's law, of course, is is that you know, as the longer that an online discussion goes on, the more likely it becomes that someone's going to bring up the Nazis or make a p- comparison to Hitler. Right. And you're right, he did come out recently and said if someone is uh, suggesting fascististic policies, then it's okay to make that comparison, and in fact, could be productive. Right. But it sounded to me like he was talking more about. Donald Trump and his administration and his advisors than he was about his supporters. No,
1: I think you're right. I just think that Donald Trump is nobody without his supporters. He's just a guy yelling at clouds. Right. So it's his supporters are crucial. And um, it's that their willingness to at, at, you see it at the rallies that he gets the biggest cheers and applause when he's suggesting violence and you know, it's very, very frightening. Or are actually carrying out violence against reporters or protesters or whatever, throwing people out. Or when he says to the police, you know, put them in the car, but not gently. Or, you know, we're going to do. There's every time he suggests violence, they cheer. This is a. Um, this is why I say it's a death cult because the encouragement to murder. There, there aren't people that I'm hearing on that side saying. We need to stop that. I'm just not hearing it. Maybe there are a few people out there who are saying we need to stop that, but it's it's gotten really far. Um, and if you look at, uh, there's a page on genocide that basically takes you through the 10 stages of genocide. And we're pretty much covered all of one through eight. Um, so, you know, I'm trying not to be hyperbolic here, uh, but the threat is incredibly real. Not only that, but the, I mean, just the threat of climate change, for example, is a is a global catastrophe. Um, and and to deny it is really to be part of a death cult.
0: I I just want to say again um, that um, that what you're talking about, the 10 stages of genocide, I think I. I found that at the Holocaust Museum, but it's from Genocide Watch, and they do lay it out. You know, some of the steps are things like discrimination, dehumanization, polarization, etc. Right. Um, So our our listeners can look that up if they're interested. Yes. Uh, We only have a few minutes left. So I, I just, you know, one of the most common responses we got, Barry, to that conversation I had with Frank Buckley was disappointment, Mm-hmm. Um, from people who had come to that conversation because they want to understand yeah. how um, highly educated, intelligent, reasonable people um, might still support a, a, a presidential candidate who's facing over ninety serious charges. Right. So I I would be remiss in my duty. If I didn't ask you if you can scratch that itch, can you explain or help people understand what seems to be cognitive dissonance here? Yeah. Someone who who is is functional and smart and intelligent and then does something that other people see as irrational.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I watch a lot of these TV shows about cults, the good TV documentaries out there that are about I don't know, Nexium or whatever. And what you find is a lot of people attracted to cults are the most intelligent, most creative people out there. They're not ignorant, backwards people. It's that the cult offers something that they're not getting somewhere else. Um, And it could be different things for different people. So for one person, it might be a feeling of, Being part of a movement or having meaning greater than itself, and for another person, it might be uh, the fun and excitement of the rallies and the and the violence. Uh, And there's all kinds of reasons why someone might be drawn into this. One is just simply that there's a group of people who studies are pretty robust on this. that show that about twenty percent of all people are authoritarian by nature. They're just attracted to authoritarian uh ideas and to autocrats um and of course if the media system is such that we've normalized violent and extreme ideas and normalized autocratic politicians and not only that but just all these attempts to understand understand and believe me i've spent now a decade trying to understand. And I think I understand pretty well mm. who these people are. It's not a question that if I haven't not listened to them. I've listened to them. And there's very little attempt to do the opposite. Why isn't there an attempt among conservatives to understand people on the left and to truly get that? Why isn't the media going to ask Biden supporters why they support Biden? I, I get it. It's not. That interesting, like sane person supports sane person is not really an interesting story, right? An interesting story is why does a seemingly sane person support a crazy person?
0: We're gonna have to leave it here, although there's a lot more to talk about, and I know that we're gonna get <laughs> yet more emails. Um but it sounds to me like i and i got I gotta say, Barry, everything that you're saying is not only supported by research, I've read it, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it makes perfect sense. And yet there is still, I, I'm gonna be honest, there's still part of me that recoils right. when I hear those words, death cult. Yep. Um, well, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you reaching out after listening to the show and I appreciate um, you bringing this perspective in because it's all worth talking about. Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome and I'm happy to talk about it more.
0: I really want to hear from y'all on this because I wonder how many of you have the reaction that I had in that everything Barry said was reasonable and I can attest backed up by scientific research and yet I find myself struggling to swallow that. (laughs) Um, It creates a cognitive dissonance in my brain that I have to say is is pretty uncomfortable. And so I wonder where you all sit on this. If nothing else, we really hope that having Barry come onto the show after pitching his own argument is a proof of concept for this show. It's something we tell you every single week. We do want to hear from you and we do read your comments whether you're an expert like Barry or, or just a person with a, with a point to make. So reach out to us. You never know what will happen, even though, of course, we can't respond to every email. Please know we do read each and every one. The email address is slate.com. Hear Me Out is a podcast from Slate. The show is produced by Maura Curry. Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations. And Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. I'm your host, Celeste Headley. Until next time, please speak your mind, but keep it open.